Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. First cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for this week's Ryder Cup. Joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Hello, Greg. What's going on, Rick? Uh, nice to nice to be here. It was a more exciting day than I expected. Uh, I'll just say that. Although um, I'm still disappointed, it, it got close. Uh, we are probably moments away from getting Patrick McDonald. He is wrapping up a, a, a written obligation. We'll add him in when he gets in here. But Greg, you're right. I mean, the last two days were exciting. Uh, the Europeans are going to win back the Ryder Cup. 16 and a half, 11 and a half is the final score. But remember, Saturday was a split. Sunday was a split. That five-point differential is the same differential that came from Friday's two sessions. Which is uh, just unbelievable because you watch Friday morning and you think, okay, this is just a, this is a route. Uh, this is over. That's what you're thinking Friday after the, the first day. And the Americans fought hard. Um they obviously got blown out in the opening session. It turns out that foursomes were the, the biggest difference here uh, in this whole competition because the Europeans won those two sessions seven to one. Uh, that's a six point difference, a uh, significant advantage for the Europeans in that. And, and that made it really hard. It, it put the U.S. In a, in a big hole. And then there was a, after after the first session, there was a lot of red on the board. And it looked like they had opportunities to really turn things around and and get right back in the mix. And the Europeans are they just proved to be really hard to put away. And they're able to get these half points, which lead to big fist bumps, you know, big celebratory half points. And for the U.S., half points don't do any good at that point. And for the Europeans, that's what they need. So it kept their nose out in front and allowed them to really lean on their stars where the American depth was it, depth wasn't enough. It became a, a top heavy fight. Emotional half points go a long way on Friday. They go a long way on Saturday and they certainly went a long way on Sunday. Let's add in Patrick McDonald to the conversation. Uh, Patrick, Number one, welcome to the show. We will get your camera focused on you here eventually. Uh, how are you doing and how is your email inbox? 
Uh, I'm doing great. My email inbox, not so well. I got signed up mm-hmm. for, I think, 12 or 13 cat newsletters last <laughs> night. And, I actually gave out his email on the podcast last night. And I learned. I learned from my, my mistakes. There were a lot of them this week on my end. I will own up to each and every one of them throughout this show. And hat tip to the Europeans and hat tip to you gentlemen uh, for joining me on this episode. Yeah, well, Patrick, we'll throw it right back to you here because uh, Greg and I were just alluding to the fact that it, it was a Saturday split. It was a Sunday split. We got we got the moment on Sunday. We'll go through each match, but we got the 15-minute window where it felt like it was closer than it was. It probably really wasn't ever close to the Americans flipping it, but there was a situation where you looked at the board and said, if everything holds and we flip this one match, the Americans can win it. Now, uh, spoiler alert, that's obviously not what happened, but um, at least the last two days felt a lot more competitive than than Friday did. The hoping hour. Scott Hansen, I know he's uh, working today on Sunday, but uh, they paid him overtime for that one hour, and it really did uh, with, you know, Brian Harmon was making a charge against Terrell Hatt, and you, you had oh, you know, Sam Burns, he's probably not going to beat Rory, but he's putting up a good fight. And that middle portion of the lineup, you saw it from kind of just the matchups yesterday that if U.S. could make matches 5 through 10 really mean something, there's an outside chance. And obviously they got two and a half points, the Europeans did, from Hovland, Rahm, and McElroy. And match number one really... If, if that falls in the U.S.'s favor, I don't know if it changes anything, putting a, an American flag on the board first instead of the tie, but it felt really momentous for Rom to get on the surface there and two. I mean, he almost made that 90-footer for Eagle. That was a ridiculous lag putt. Scotty Scheffler not being able to get up and down. And that one, I think, took some wind out of the sails, but you had Cantley come through, Homa, like if Homa doesn't make that putt, it's over really early. But that putt really extended the the drama, so to speak. And oh my gosh, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, all these guys are making putts when they've stunk for the past two days. And yeah, the hoping hour, I'd give it more than 15 minutes. I'd say like 30 to 45. There, there's a moment where it was a little tense. Admittedly, I thought this could have been over 90 minutes into the start of the day. It took like six or seven hours, which was which which was great. Greg, we're gonna go through each match, but before we do that, like just just walk me through like how do you avoid coming out of the gates so slow? Right. And and I don't know if it came through on television, but there was an absolute just lack of anything here on Friday. And it was just one-way traffic. The Europeans were ever it felt like everyone felt like the Europeans were going to run over the Americans and they did. Other than that, Saturday, fine, Sunday, fine. How do you avoid that? Who's like, is that, is that a a preparation thing? Is that, you know, playing on uh, uh, an international match, you know, for the first time in a while? I mean, it just, it was so bizarre. Well, um, it was not bizarre to me. Now you'll notice on my betting card, I said the Americans would win the first match. Um, but my that was actually my biggest concern because nine of the 12 Americans took five weeks off leading into this event. If you're preparing for a big event, I don't care what it is, the Masters, the U.S. Open, the PGA, the Open, you're, you're not going to 
schedule five weeks of rest uh, ahead of that. You know, you're you're going to play competitive golf to shake off some of this rust. We've seen it with Brooks Kepka, and I know he did play the week before. Uh, but Brooks Kepka playing the week before a major championship has gone really well for him in the past. But you may see guys take the week before off, but they've played a couple of weeks before that. You know, there's there's competitive time where guys have to kind of get ready. Even if you go to the start of the the calendar year where December is kind of slow. Many of the big stars who who perform really well at Kapalua have played in a Hero World Challenge or a, a father son or or an event in Dubai or, or they've played in something leading in to to gather a little bit of form. The Americans didn't do that. Now, last Ryder Cup in Paris was the exact opposite. <clears throat> the players had just finished the FedEx Cup playoffs and they're gassed and um, and and they were clearly they looked tired. Now we swing the pendulum all the way to the other end of the spectrum and take five weeks off. It's too much. I mean, to me, you have to prepare for this event like you're preparing for a major championship because it's an event you have circled on your calendar. And I think the Europeans did prepare that way and the Americans did not. Hard to argue. All 12 Europeans played in the BMW PGA Championship, which was, what, two weeks ago? Um, yeah. So that's, they that's, play a uh, week off, play again. Kind of yeah. a similar flow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Well, we got off to a fun start. John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler, Patrick, were... The first group out, that's your big boys, right? John Rahm for the Europeans. He has gone out now uh, first on Sunday in three consecutive Ryder Cups. You have Scotty Scheffler, the number one player in the world, despite his struggles here in Rome this week. And this was back and forth. Scotty played well enough and looked like he was going to capture the full point, which by the time this match was wrapping up, you could see the paths, right? It's like election night. You can see the paths to victory. The American path to victory almost certainly, Patrick, required a full point from Scotty Scheffler. John Rahm makes a birdie on 18 to have this match and get a half a point out of it. The rest was kind of um, hope theater because I think the only path was getting this full point from Scotty. This match summed up the 2023 Ryder Cup for me. You think about Scheffler, those really early misses on the greens. He had two misses inside six feet. The Americans as a whole didn't really putt too great. You think about someone like Xander Shoffley, who had a poor week on the greens. And you look at the finish. Rom 
when he has to, makes a birdie on 18. He steals half a point from the Americans. He takes the flag off the board. That was really the name of the game. And we talk about rust and the first day. I was okay with the 4 nothing foursomes loss. U.S. stinks in that format going back however many Ryder Cups you want to. But the competitive rust came to me, I think, finishing off that afternoon session when it should have been 3-1. to one. It should have been 5-3 Europe going into Saturday. And from there, really anything could happen. And for them to lose that session, to fall five points behind, it, it was really kind of emblematic in, in this in this match. You, you see the back and forth nature kind of. Ra made the big putts, number one. The lag putt on 18 as well. And Scheffler... He played great. He, he really did. He looked more like the world number one, but he missed short putts on the front nine. And when you're trying to beat John Rahm, you probably can't let those go. He, he did make a nice one on 15 to grab the lead, but Rahm just gives you no breathing room. He sucks up all the oxygen. He's always in the hole. And yeah. the, the half was just, like you said, Rick, Scheffler needed to win this match for the Americans to have a chance. And the half... Rom knew how big it was uh, to fend right. off the world number one like that. He does suck up all the oxygen, Greg. That's one of the things, and especially in this format, is super, super dangerous. He makes shot, shots when he needs to. He's clutch. He's any variety of adjectives you want. He caps off another great Ryder Cup. Yeah, There's so much uh, energy that he brings to the table. And, and Scotty, who last year really got the better of him early on, um, in the last Ryder Cup, rather, he won the first four holes. And for John Rahm coming out, making a birdie right off the get go was huge. And, and that has happened all week, right? The Americans have lost the opening hole all week. But the thing about the putts that you mentioned, Patrick, you know, even on one and two, it, it's not that he missed those birdie looks, but there were very uninspiring efforts. They didn't nearly miss. They came up short, uh, which is a, a sign of, nerves and i do think scotty did a really nice job battling back and getting the speed of the greens eventually but you get in a little hole and you get in a into a dog fight like this which it was all, all the way through scotty threw a lot of what he had at him but rom never backs down uh, and, and continued the spirit and is able to finish off going you know three th uh, birdie par birdie in order to to get that key half so um, whereas it's birdie par par for Scotty Scheffler in those last three holes. So, um, yeah, this was, this was disappointing. It's hard fought. I almost wonder in a strange way if, if the Americans should have thrown Scotty Scheffler or one of their top players against knowingly it was gonna, You knew it was going to be Rom or McElroy in the opening match. And I wonder if it was, uh, a good decision. It would have been way out of the box, but if, if you put somebody that's not one of your heavy hitters out there to open, does it give you a, a, a better chance somewhere down the board to, to get a win out of Scotty Scheffler and his really solid play? The second match was a continuation of uh, Victor Hovland's great week, a four and three victory over Colin Morikawa. Patrick, that puts Victor's week, all five matches, one of only three players who played in all five sessions, one of uh, two Europeans who did it, Rory McIlroy, the other three and a half points for the Norwegian. And it was allowed three and a half points. There were lots of uh, big wins, a lot of emotional stuff. It, it was it was nice. 
best fist pump in the in the game and everyone got a front row seat to it too just the veiny arm popping out sometimes he goes with the double fist just a strong strong fist pump and really when i look at this match he put it on morikawa pretty good early and often but number seven the par three when morikawa was kind of trying to come up for air and get a little life in it victor hits it to 20 feet above the hole Morikawa was in tight from 210 yards, three feet. You think, okay, he'll get grab this one, get two down, maybe snag the the difficult eighth and the par five. Those are holes that are you know pretty back and forth. And Hovland just pours in the 20 foot footer, and it's like, all right, th- this has been Victor Hovland for the past handful of months, you know, even the last year, so to speak. And it was just a great performance all around. He, uh, I had some questions about his short game. I, I think they they came up a little bit in the afternoon session yesterday, but I think he was just a little tired from playing so much golf and got a little lazy. And I mean, he hit some ridiculous chip shots and bunker shots throughout this competition. And you couple that with his uh, his ability to rise up in the moment is really special. We've seen it time and time again from him. Big putts, the 18th there on Friday afternoon. Uh, you go back to the tour championship, you go back to the BMW championship, the Memorial as well. And it's really, really cool to see someone build up to this moment through, you know, difficult times at the open and falling short and making a a weakness into a strength and just ripping the guy who secured the half point for the U S in 2021. That was definitely on, Victor Hoffman's mind that he wanted a little payback to Colin Morikawa, these two guys who came out at the same time, and he certainly got it. Yeah, the that spot there, seven and eight. I was I was out there. I thought it was a big moment, Greg, because uh, Colin Morikawa was already in his pocket on on seven, on eight. Victor hits a, a bad drive and and decides after going through three different clubs in the bag to lay up, and he gave himself a chance to get a half on that hole. He didn't make the putt, but I thought there was a strategic maturity uh, of the way that he approached match play. He actually, him and Shay Knight were um, trying to figure out what club to hit. They were, it was a weird lie ball above his feet. And they just, he just said, Let, let's see what he does first. And, and he, and Morikawa stuffed him. Morikawa was on the green, was on the green in two, but there was like a very, well thought out um, way around this golf course, especially in match play that I, I didn't necessarily see at whistling straights. You know, um, you think about that situation and it's things move a lot slower when you're three up, you know, and that's the, that's the situation. He's three up at this point. So let's see what he does here. It, It makes it easy. And then, you know, okay, well, four might give me a chance to win. What's the best way to make four here? Uh, you're not panicking. When you're three down, you know, if you reverse the roles there and, and you're three down, you feel like you've got to win the hole. And all he's got to do is give himself a putt to have. And and that continues to apply pressure. So it, it gets a whole lot easier when you get off to a really good start. And Hovland did, uh, and he did it with birdies. You know, he he... I think that was the only bogey he made on the day. He was six under in 15 holes. And if you're, if you're six under, you're, you're making birdie on nearly half the holes. It's really hard to find a gap. If you're Colin Morikawa, especially if you're, you know, struggling a little bit tee to green, it, you know, not driving it your best, uh, finding the rough far too often for 
uh, someone like Colin Morikawa. So yeah, the the pressure was applied early, uh, and it and it stayed down. And he has the uh, the complete game where little tiny mistakes that maybe at one point in his career would become big mistakes didn't. Uh, and and that's why he's able to notch some big victories, not just in this match, but throughout the week. All right. Match number three. And Greg, I'll give you first crack here at this one. Patrick Cantlay gets the Americans on the board two and one over Justin Rose. Uh, Patrick Cantlay became public enemy number one here in Rome overnight. But again, he rises to the occasion and pu- puts the first full point on the board for Team USA. Yeah, he played some really good golf, but uh, I'll tell you what. Justin Rose made him earn everything out there. And it looked like, you know, there are a couple moments through seven holes. He's two up at the turn. He's two up through 10. He's still two up. He's just kind of hanging, hanging in there. Um, and you feel like, okay, that's a, that's a point for the Americans. And and it felt like it was going to kind of go away early. And then all of a sudden, Justin Rose starts making putts and fist pumping. And it gets really, it gets really tight. Uh, but a great par for Cantlay at 14 to win the hole. Uh, and and then um, the, the birdie for the half on 16, I thought was also a, a really important moment. Um, and, and 17 was great as well. An, an enormous birdie. So Patrick Cantlay was clutch um, in, the, in his last two matches. And it, it almost felt like once he became public enemy number one, it that was a actually a good thing for him. It, it felt like it was a good thing, not just for him, but for the Americans. It really, it really turned the tide. It it, it seemed to wake him up a little bit, which was fun. Yeah. That's that's the term I was just going to use, Patrick. It, it felt like that woke up the Americans. It definitely woke up Patrick Cantlay. I mean, I, ever since uh, you know the tweet comes out, I swear he didn't miss a putt. He was unbelievable. Yeah, he turned into a killer, which makes you wonder why can't he do that four times a year? And of all the of all the great stories this Ryder Cup produced, I think my two favorite were in this match. You think about Patrick Cantlay, him turning into the villain, him relishing in it, him walking up to every green, him saying uh, yesterday, "I've never had so many standing ovations at every <laughs> tee." It, it was really nice. And him backing it up with his game. We saw people talk this week and who weren't able to back up uh, it with their game, but Cantley did. I mean, the hat trick of birdies, this today, Justin Rose never gave him an inch, and the back nine was spectacular. And then you look at Justin Rose, all his friends are gone. It's like you look at the really young team, Justin Rose, kind of the outlier, 43 years old, the oldest guy in this competition, Sergio McDowell. Henrik, Poulter, Westwood, Casey, gone. And he came back, reinvented his game, earned his spot on this team, and he was fantastic all week, shepherding Bobby Mack around Marco Simone, getting uh, you know the afternoon on Friday, that moment he had, the celebration when he went, you, 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 pointing to his teammates was, I thought, one of the more underrated moments of the Ryder Cup. He's a great celebrator, too. I know I gave Hovland that – uh that remark, but roses to it. And he played some great golf down the stretch, made a lot of big putts and can't lay to his credit, earned it. And it was a must win for the Americans. And it looked like it was going to be easier, but Rose, I mean, he's just tough. He's a tough cookie. 
Yeah, job uh, well done there by Patrick Cantlay. Match number four, Greg, is Rory McIlroy continuing the trend of the Europeans getting on the board early, winning hole number one in route to a three-and-one victory over Sam Burns. This was uh, the best Ryder Cup that Rory McIlroy has ever had. He went four and one. He played all five sessions, and he did exactly what you need your horse to do at a Ryder Cup. He put on today's round, no fives on the card, six threes and two twos. Uh, I believe I counted that correct. So, I mean, this was flawless out of, out of Rory McIlroy. And, you know, he, Rory can, can have a big target on his back. Anybody's going to get psyched up when they get an opportunity to play against Rory McIlroy and you wonder with Sam Burns and his nice performance yesterday afternoon, especially getting a little riled up on the, the very first green. Yeah. You know, I felt like Sam Burns was going to, was going to show up and, and feel like, Hey, I, I, uh, I want to take this guy down. And I'm sure he did, but it was a, a shaky start for, for Sam Burns and Rory didn't give him an inch. And, and I thought Burns got it together uh, much better late. And this match lasted a lot longer than, it probably should have, uh, but but Rory and his golf swing looks absolutely phenomenal right now. He was so confident, and you could tell he wanted he wanted some revenge from Whistling Straits, and he he wasn't going to give anything up. And, and then you consider what happened last night as well, and I'm sure he was upset. And it sounded like that was all diffused, but. We hear from Rory afterwards. I'm not sure it was. And I think Rory used that as fuel the way Patrick Cantlay used um, used the negative emotion as fuel as well. Uh, Sam Burns, who was, uh, and I'm sure he'll tell you the same thing, miserable on Friday, played much better in his other two opportunities that he got Patrick. He got the win uh, yesterday. Uh, what was that? Yesterday afternoon, I guess. Saturday afternoon. And then at least, yeah, I mean, listen, you lost 3-1 and one to Rory McIlroy. There's a lot of guys who are going to lose 3-1 and one to Rory McIlroy. He at least took it to uh, the 17th hole. When you think about captains and their jobs, it really is to put players in position for su success. And no offense to Sam Burns, but of these 12, he probably shouldn't have played foursomes at all, especially in the first match out. His game just isn't suited for it. He's high volatility, which is great for match play. But foursomes was always going to be a tough ask for him. And to his credit today, I, I thought he played great. Like Greg said, Roy McIlroy was lights out. He probably should have been nine under through 16. He missed a short one on 13 and another one on 16 where Burns got the match to 17. And yeah, it, it was probably a tough week for reporting in general between Hatgate and the report that Rory and Joe LaCava squashed the beef when Rory said, yeah, I hadn't met him yet. And all the reporters, they're tweeting out after that was the maddest they've ever seen Rory McIlroy walk off the golf course. It clearly fueled him. I don't know if he really needed the fuel, maybe a little nitrous to the system is what it really played like. But he had a spectacular week. He took it personal from the beginning of the week. He took it very personal on Sunday and he delivered. That's what the great ones do. And it's great to see Rory McIlroy, who... Hasn't been great the past two Ryder Cups. He had a losing record in Paris. Wasn't great last uh, in 2021, obviously. And for him to step up and uh, 
delivers massive. And you look at the big three, Rory, Rom, Hovland, nine, two, and two combined, 10 points across those three. That means your other nine just have to produce 14 and a half or four and a half to win the Ryder Cup. That's what the stars are supposed to do in a Ryder Cup. And all three did it. Hat tip to them all. They played great golf and they outperformed the American stars. Uh, first four matches of the day, two wins for the Europeans, a win for the Americans, and a tie. Match number five comes with Max Homa leaking a little bit of oil. Patrick coming down the stretch, but he's able to hold on and finish off Matt Fitzpatrick one up, and he caps off uh, by far the best Ryder Cup of any American, three and a half points. He was fantastic all week long. Really the only bright spot, I think, when you look back to this Ryder Cup is Max Homa and him stepping up uh, in the moment like he did at the President's Cup as well. Uh, just seems to have the exact mentality you want. You think about someone like Justin Thomas being an emotional leader. After this Ryder Cup, I'm throwing Max Homa as his vice captain, potentially co-captain in the emotional leader camp. He just wants it. He wants the ball when it matters. It was a very nervy, nervy ending. He, him and Fitz both missed short ones on 13, that par three. He follows him into the water on 16 when that's the last thing you can do. He missed a short one there as well. But when it mattered, uh, you guys talked about how things are very slow when you have the lead. Well, how about when you're trying to fend off Europe popping champagne on 18 to listen to the advice of Joe Griner, take the unplayable green side, get up and down, make the putt. He, he said his legs were shaking. It, it's freaking ballsy, man. You have everyone ready to rush on the green to celebrate Europe winning the Ryder Cup, and you hold it off for another hour. It's just huevos to the max, and it was a great week for Homa, and I'm glad he got his singles win. That's right, Greg. As this thing was shaking out, uh, Fitzpatrick could have put this away, could have put the Ryder Cup away. Max Homa steps up, finishes off a great week, and he he's just a gamer, man. He's a gamer. We've talked about the way that he kind of embraces the whole Mamba mentality. We talk about how he has just gotten increasingly better every single year of his career. It's, it's such an impressive um, trajectory and resume that he's building. Can you think about, we were talking about the Hovland decision on eight. Um, this decision was more impressive to me because this is exactly when things are going really fast. I've got to have this hole to keep the Ryder Cup alive. It's all on my shoulders and I can barely see my golf ball. So what do I do now? And you you could have messed it up in many ways. He had the faith in his short game to get it up and down. Um, and I, he had to trust that Fitzpatrick wasn't going to make it as well. But that was a really hard decision and a really difficult time. And he he made the tough decision and executed and made it look like a brilliant choice. So um, good on him. Loved his performance all week. The Americans need more Max Holmes. You need that. He's like the the Fleetwoods, the Hattons, uh, the the Polters of the past, the the players that aren't necessarily your superstars, but your role players that step up in a big way. Uh, and the fact that he can do that on a road it, it, on the road is a really good sign for the American for American golf in the future. All right, we are going to continue this conversation and chat about the rest of the matches that led to a 16 and a half, 11 and a half victory for the Europeans. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. 
All right, gents, we're back. I think we can run through the next couple pretty quickly. Patrick Terrell Hatton three and two over Brian Harmon. This looked like one that we were the we we as if I'm on the American team. We're going to need to be flipped uh, even without Harmon getting the comeback. Uh, there was still a, a small path to a, a retention of the United States for the Ryder Cup, but Hatton puts away Harmon three and two. Really the story of the week, the Europeans getting off to a fast start and the Americans trying to claw back. Harmon tried his damnedest around the turn, making birdie on the par five to cut it to one, but just a little too too little too late. And Hatton had a great week, 3-0 and 1. Uh, just you, you need people to step up, and he was someone who didn't have a great Ryder Cup record and balled out this week. Yeah, kind of quietly, three and a half points for Terrell Hatton, tying Victor Hovland for the second most points scored by anybody on the European side of things. Match number seven, Greg, goes to you. Again, Brooks Kepka. you know, if you win that first hole, uh, the way the rest of this sets up, it, it, it goes really well for you. Brooks Kepka won hole number one, uh, was three up by the time they made the turn, and he puts down Ludwig Oberg three and two to get another red point on the board. And he looked really confident and has been really hard to beat in singles. Um, this moves him to 3-0-1 in singles, I believe, uh, throughout his Ryder Cup career, which is really strong. Um, this is a very intimidating player in Brooks Kepka. Um, there will be many arguments that he should not have been on the bench on that Friday morning. Um and I can definitely see that argument. And if you're Ludwig uh, Ludwig Oberg in your very first Ryder Cup and, and you draw Brooks Kepka in singles, I, I don't know if there's anybody more intimidating that you could possibly go up against. Uh, Brooks got on him early, uh, kept the foot down, continued to make birdies late, continued to hit great shots late. And, um, you know, lastly, on that last hole, it, Brooks Kepka flew the green with his driver. I didn't see anybody else airmail the green like that. That was roasted. So, um, yeah, Brooks Brooks stepped up today, and the Americans needed it at this point. Uh, match eight, Patrick, is really where we're running through all the options. You know, where is this final point going to come along? There was There was a time where the Europeans got to 14, which means they could not lose the Ryder Cup. At worst, it was going to be retained by the Americans, which is like a very weird, normal sport type of distinction. You still don't have the cup. You didn't lose it, but uh, it's it's bizarre. So they were at 14. They're looking for a half a point anywhere. And Justin Thomas is battling Sepp Straka and things are not going particularly great. I thought that um, you know, him missing the, the putt on 17 to put him away and then hitting his drive uh, left of the fairway on 18. I thought Sepp was going to nip him for a half a point, but uh, JT wins the 18th hole and wins 2-0. I did too. I, I really thought our, our boy Sepp Straka was going to be the Ryder Cup hero to clinch it for the Europeans. And wouldn't that be something? But you, you look at this match and you look at the luxury of getting out to an early lead. JT had a nice approach there on 30 from the rough to set up a birdie. And he added a few more going and to grab that two up lead. And then he kind of just held serve. You, and if you watched this match, you would have thought Hatgate was about Justin Thomas. He was tipping his <laughs> yeah. imaginary hat more than anyone, which was just ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, Straka 
really nice late charge. Great shot there on 16. That hole is awesome. That produced some unbelievable moments throughout the week. The chip-ins, the putts, everything in between. 16 down the hill. My all-star for Marco Simone. And JT got, got his singles win. I think his week as a whole, people will point to strokes gain data and his record as being really bad. He should have never been picked, yada, yada, yada. It's tough when you have to lug around the 10 handicap. That was Jordan Speed this week. And I thought he acquitted himself quite nicely emotionally. Uh, his game looked decent as well. And I, I was in the Justin Thomas camp. I know people will be coming at those who are in the Justin Thomas camp. I will defend being in the Justin Thomas camp. I think he did, delivered relatively well. Justin Thomas, uh, Greg, was obviously one of the big storylines this week, one of the more contro controversial selections. He played four sessions. He got one and a half points. I think I think the people that didn't think Justin Thomas should be on the team got enough ammo, and I think the people that thought JT should have been on the team got enough ammo. So here we are with uh, no winners and losers in this thing. Yeah, I think at this point it's pretty clear what happened if you actually watched. It's one thing if you look at the record. That, that gives you the ammo if you don't think he should have been on the team. But you watch especially the Friday afternoon match in that have, and you see that coming down the stretch, um, it, it just was left all on him. You know, Jordan Spieth just complete. I wouldn't go as far as saying a 10 handicap, Patrick, but uh, but his partner completely bails out. And Justin Thomas nearly wins the match by himself and, and ends up eking out a half point. So that was a difficult situation. Um, and and it, it leads me to this question on Saturday afternoon. You have Jordan Spieth playing the way that he is. I know this is a duo, but is, is it a problem to have a package deal like this? You know, Justin Thomas is playing some great golf. Does he have to play with Spieth? Can we mix that up a little bit? Is there somebody else uh, on the bench who's playing a little better or maybe can light a spark. Maybe we get a new pairing that, that works out really well. I don't know. I think we're a little um, restricted in our decision-making with some of these pairings feeling like you have to go with the, with the great team. Um, and, and I thought Justin Thomas played a lot better than his record this week. Freaking preach, man. I, I said, Zach Johnson, there's going to come a point where you have to split up a team and he just didn't have uh the wherewithal what? to do it. I was gonna say something else. I don't know. I don't even know what wherewithal means. <laughs> I, I was your eyes but, were darting around and I was like, just say it. <laughs> he didn't have the balls to split up Spieth and JT. He didn't, and he should have. I probably should have said spine, like Joseph Boza said, but that's right. Spieth, just go for it. Spieth was a liability the first two days. I know he played better today, but he was bad he was in his pocket the last five holes of that match greg was talking about last five and even, holes and you know yeah. even when he played well yeah he just did he he did, would do it for like four holes at a time it, it, it was just not remotely close to enough no and yeah it was a, it was a tough week for for the boys club yeah we'll we'll get to him in a second um match nine Xander Shoffley, Greg, three and two over Nikolai Hoygaard. Uh, Hoygaard uh, did what kind of Ryder Cup rookies do, which is 0-2-1, a half a point. He was the, the uh, fewest amount of points earned for anyone on the European side. And uh, Xander Shoffley, we were talking about this last night, 
finally gets on the board one and three that's a big story to me but it is being uh he is getting so much cover from patrick cantlay he's getting so much cover from zach johnson he's getting so much cover from justin thomas the story should be that xander like one of the top 10 players in the world was a no-show in rome and you know it's really important because we have this mindset where we're going to completely stick with our parents and I understand you have Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley. They're going to play foursomes together. They've never lost in foursomes. You got to play them together. But, um, you know, play. I, I think it was pretty clear that Patrick Cantlay was out playing Xander Shoffley. And Xander goes out Friday afternoon. And it and it should have been Cantlay. Because Cantlay probably should have been a five-match guy. Uh, and again, another player who I felt played better than his record. And, um, you know, I kind of gave an edge to Xander. I thought Xander coming into this week was going to play really well. The putter was really strong uh, entering this week. But something in that five-week layoff, uh, all of a sudden it cooled off. And it went from hot to ice cold. So he didn't really do anything, didn't make much, but was fortunate to get by Nikolai Hoygaard today, even after another slow start. Uh, So you know, big wins on five and six with birdies. And then uh, the other win on number seven with a par there, that was, that was really important and and finished off strong on 15 and 16 as well. And look, we still needed this point. So it was a big point, but we could have used a little more action earlier in the week out of Xander. Yeah, needed needed the point, got the point. Uh, Jordan Spieth in match 10 tied Shane Lowry thanks to uh, winning the 18th hole with a birdie. Uh, much too little, much too late for Jordan Spieth's production this week, Patrick. Yeah, it was. A really disappointing week kind of comes to an end in a disappointing way on 18 with everyone just being held back from the celebration. Spieth is the lone American there in the arena, but he got off to a really nice start. I think it was four under through five. He eagled the fifth and it was like, oh my gosh, of course, Jordan's going to do this now where he just shows up on Sunday, but he's, he's still without a victory in the Ryder cup singles. I think he tied Fleetwood in 2021, got the tie here today as well. And look, I know it's tough. He just had baby number two. He wasn't part of the scouting trip. He didn't play since the tour championship, like the rest of the gang. And you could tell the form was just off. He tried his best. He made it. He did make to his credit, a number of big putts. Do you think 15, but he gave it back with the, you know, trying to be kind of cute there on 16 as well. So it was kind of vintage Jordan Spieth roller coaster, but it was a, a cruddy ride. Yeah. He had the dubious distinction of being the last match out there. So like the entire world is literally, <laughs> just surrounding the green on 18 and every it's it's already decided everybody wants to get this over with and Greg they've just got to kind of play this out and get out of the way before the celebration starts the the putt Jordan Spieth hit did you see how quickly he started walking after he, he hit it he, he beat it to the hole he beat the ball to yeah, the he, hole he whacked and just kept walking and it was uh that was you wouldn't if you just turn that on, you'd think this hole's over and he it was already over. He just whacked it. Now he's going to get it. But he actually right. ended up winning the hole. So if you missed any of that, it, it looked um, very different than it turned out. But that was, uh, you know, disappointing. Um, I think it's a disappointing have either way, because there was a 
legitimate chance that it came down to Jordan needing a full point there. Uh, and, and losing 16 and 17 was, that's when it mattered. So that, that was the more important moment. Those were the more important moments that were uh, a little bit disappointing for me. All right. I'm going to jump ahead here. Match 12, Robert McIntyre beats Wyndham Clark two and one again, the way it was panning out, there was a chance that this anchor match was going to end up being uh, a deciding factor, but because of what happened in match 11, that was not the case. So match 11 is where this was decided. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood and Ricky Fowler uh, get to, let's see. Um, so Tommy wins Greg 16. Tommy wins 17. The way that he won on 17 uh, was with a concession. Ricky Fowler yes. gives Tommy a two foot, eight inch putt that is effectively for the Ryder Cup. I, I oh, that, that was on 16. Oh, I'm sorry, 16. I, I, all right, because they continued, they can, right, right, they continued the match. My bad. So um, that effectively ends because they are, because uh, Tommy is now two up with two to go. He has guaranteed a half a point. That is all the Europeans needed. And I tweeted this out like, I'm fine. I, I give a lot of putts. I'm fine with these guys giving a lot of putts. I need to see the Ryder Cup winning putt go, go and touch the bottom of the cup. Yes. And, you know, even in the nice guy match of all nice guy matches, like this one was, there are simple rules that you got to abide by. And one of them is, hey, um, you know, you got to see birdie putts go in and you got to see putts to win the match go in. And, and if you have simple rules like that, you know, it's not, I can't believe he, nobody would ever say, I can't believe he made him putt that. He should have putted it. He should have putted it. It was six inches. I, nobody would have said, I can't believe he made him putt that. And, it, and here's, here's the other argument too. He kind of, it's not what he thought, but he took away the moment sort of from Tommy Fleetwood. Correct. Yeah. He took, yeah, he took away the winning moment in general. So if you're if you're concerned about being the you know doing the right thing, being the nice guy, it, it this doesn't uh, apply there either. So I think that's a great point, Patrick. But ultimately, the great disappointment in this match is what happens on six on sixteen T, uh, and Ricky Fowler sprays it right and rinses it, and basically yeah. it was over right there. Tommy right. Fleetwood stripes one right up the middle of the green. This was so disappointing. And I'm watching this thing unfold and I'm saying there is a real chance that this comes down to Ricky Fowler. Yeah. And this is just a terrible situation to be in. I don't know. I don't want to see it. I wish Rom won the full point. I'd rather Rom win the full point so I don't have to deal with that. Because, uh, you know, you got Ricky, who's the sick guy. And all he's he's way in the back of the pack, uh, and reportedly, look, can we re believe reports? No, clearly not. But he reportedly wanted to be in the uh, last spot. Um, which is, does he want to? Does he want to be in that situation? Probably not. Um, so it was really tough, and I thought it might come down to that, but I didn't see it going that way with a tee shot. That's just. It's over. I'll just send the exit stage right. We're out of here, boys. We're going home. 
uh, Ricky Fowler, he only played on Friday in one session and he played on Sunday. He was battling, uh, you know, the stomach bug and all that fun stuff for the week. So he goes, Oh, and two, but Patrick, Tommy Fleetwood goes three and one gets a nice fun partnership with, with Rory McElroy. And then he gets to effectively put the winning point on the board. They would actually have to play another hole before that match became official and it would get on the board, but he, he mathematically locked it up. He's just so good on this stage. Four sums, he's undefeated still, I believe. Uh, and his ball striking, he, he's really a complete game with elite skill sets, uh, approach. He's a fantastic driver of the golf ball. The putter can betray him sometimes. I think we saw that a little on 15. He kind of wiped that birdie putt from eight feet, uh, where I thought he really could have applied the pressure on Fowler, but I guess he knew what he was doing. He knew he didn't have to. And so for Fleetwood to be this good on this stage in the moment, holding, I mean, that Eagle putt, the celebration yesterday, 12 out of 10, this today. And it, it just makes you wonder how does he channel this more on a week to week basis when he's in the moment? Cause we have seen him unfortunately fall apart down the stretch with a tournament in his hands. So could this be Finally, the breakout moment for Tommy Fleetwood where he becomes a multiple-time PGA Tour winner. I would love to think so. His skill set suggests it. His uh, ability in these moments suggests it, but we just still got to see it. And for Fleetwood to come through you know, with Rory, another great pairing on home soil again after 18 with Mollywood, it, it's, it's cool. He's the most likable guy on the PGA Tour, in the top five at least. And you can't, as an American – you can't see him like chip in and make a putt and be like, God, dude, Tommy fleet. What are, what are you doing? You're like, you're yelling, go Tommy lad too. It, it, it's like, it's a weird moment. It's like, yeah, it's like uh mama Kelsey in the super bowl. That's kind of how it felt uh, with Tommy. I, was, I caught myself singing, Tommy, 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 Tommy. They got such some good chance out here. Um, So the Europeans uh, win back the Ryder cup, 16 and a half to 11 and a half in what was pretty uh, lopsided, obviously, from, from the get-go around here. Um, this comes down, Greg, to me, to the performances of the best players on both teams. So just to kind of throw this out there, Colin Morikawa, one point. Xander Shoffley, one point. Scotty Scheffler, one point. Uh, Jordan Spieth, one point. Uh, okay. Now, contrast that to Rory McIlroy, four points. Victor Hovland, three and a half. John Rahm, three. And then whoever you think the next next best player is, Hatton, three and a half. Fleetwood, three. Um, it the, the the big dogs from across the pond lapped the big dogs for the American team. In many cases, they were playing against one another. Um, but you look at the the advantage that the United States had coming in part of that was their depth which I think you saw today you saw that show up today and who knows if this had been closer what would have happened with these some of these later matches um, if, if we came in with a little more hope perhaps some of these change but but you could see the depth there was a clear advantage for the United States on paper on Sunday singles. They needed a huge lopsided day, uh, but if they didn't, I think they would have been in a really good spot. 
Um, but you look at what happens in team golf and all of a sudden you get these things separated a little bit, right? And these great partnerships become really important. And you, the Europeans always seem to find this where they, they have partnerships that are complete buzzsaws. You look at what Rom and Hovland do in, in foursomes. Uh, they shoot six under, beat Scheffler Burns, one of our featured pairings, beat them four and three. And then um, it, the, in the morning, what did they do in the morning? Rom and Hatton shoot four under. They, in, in the two matches they play in foursomes, they shoot 10 under par. You know, this is a, this is a buzzsaw. They chip in, they hit the flag stick. They, they both contribute. And it feels like our teams don't, we don't both contribute. We can't garner any momentum. And then you have McElroy and Fleetwood or Fleetwood Mac. They're nine under. So, you know, in, in their two foursomes matches, they win two and one in both of them. So, I mean, they really had to play well to win both of those matches and did. And when you, when you put two teams like that on the board that are near impossible to beat, it becomes a really tall task. Because you're going to have some tight matches that go your way or don't go your way. You're going to lose the 18th hole, as the Americans always do. Um, but but overcoming you know, guaranteed wins is a really hard thing for the U.S. to do. Well, Patrick, guess what? We get to uh, talk about this for the next two years. And we get <laughs> to, uh, I don't know, demand a task force. We get to uh, say, burn it all down. Or we can say, ah, oh, you know what? After one bad day, it wasn't all that bad. Like where, it's always weird when you're in the moment. In in six months, where will this fall on that spectrum of horrible defeat that should have never been allowed to happen or hey they got us on american soil for the seventh straight time i think we'll look back and probably look at the schedule and the lack of reps coming in as the main issue you look at the day one score five and a half one and a half nine players on the u.s team not playing in a competitive tournament for five weeks and people will forget about all the details and they'll kind of hone in on that one but I kind of look at the captains and I give credit to Luke Donald I don't want to speak ill on Zach Johnson enough people have done that where if you're Luke Donald you probably know where Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay are playing in foursomes at opening session and KP told me as much Rory wanted Xander and Cantlay and so you're putting your aces in the hole against theirs and you have faith in your guys to give them zero momentum at all. They take them, you know, a 5-0-0-0 team in international play in foursomes, hand them their first loss in four ball that afternoon. Everyone in their mother knows Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth is going to be playing first. You counter with, uh, who was it? Victor Hovland and Terrell Hatton, another great duo there. And it, it felt like Luke Donald really, he didn't move the right, pieces on the chessboard he controlled the entire chessboard it was kind of zach trying to play you know try to catch up and, and he never did and when he might have added a little nuance to his lineup with the four ball on saturday it was a little too uh, too little too late and just a hat tip to luke donald i thought he was brilliant but when we look back on it i think it'll be the rust factor that people will blame which i don't know if it's fair or not 
All right. Uh, before we get out of here, Josh, why don't you put up the betting board? It wasn't pretty. Uh, three picks for the United States to win. Obviously, those are losers. Uh, the top U.S. scorer ended up being Max Homa. The top European scorer obviously ended up being Rory McIlroy, which both Kyle and Patrick had. And then, uh, Patrick, your best bet, uh, so I was not here for this show, was Tommy Fleetwood over Ricky Fowler. That's in regards to points, correct? That was the... Correct. Yeah, so no no brainer there. Uh, job gets done. Tommy Fleetwood over Rory McIlroy by a mile because guess what? I scored as many points as, as Ricky Fowler did. <laughs> Congratulations, Rick. Rick and Ricky, we're proud of you. <laughs> there we go. The Ricks scored uh, the same number of points. All right, gents. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, guess what? Sanderson Farms next week. So... <laughs> Turn your attention. You'd All right, real up. quick, because we have to go on HQ. But Greg, real quick, Ludwig Oberg and Nikolai Hoygaard are in the field for next week. Is there any chance those two go to Jackson and play? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, they're so young. It, it's so hard to see that. There's a chance. There's a chance. Less than 50%. I'd say four, I'd say uh, 35% chance they play. I'm getting ready for a Monday. Uh, WD has been replaced with, uh, I don't know, Briny Baird or somebody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll Potter keep our Peter. eyes peeled. Ted Pop, TPJ. Yeah. <laughs> All right, gents. It's been an absolute pleasure. We'll continue to keep this rolling. Obviously, CBSSports.com is where all the uh, additional content's coming. I'm watching the, the Europeans are doing their, their their presser right now, so we'll figure out what they say, and that'll all be available online as well. But uh, appreciate the support, the time zones, and everything that we figured out throughout the week. Producer Josh is all the hard work behind the scenes. Patrick McDonald available on Twitter at Amateur Status. Greg Ducharme available at The Real GFD, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time.